0: Justin Shank is a public speaker, podcaster, and entrepreneur. He is the CEO of Growth Now Summit and Podcast, which is all about helping you to build your personal brand. This episode, Justin speaks on how podcasting helped him to heal, grow, and progress, not only as a person, but as an entrepreneur, as well as the importance of building your personal
1: brand. I think that's kind of the definition of an entrepreneur in 2022, right? Multiple streams of income, um, but but really, it all stems from me from the podcast. So, I uh, started podcasting about six years ago, uh, not really knowing what I was doing, not even knowing really where I, like where it may go. I had some dreams and some ideas potentially, but didn't actually think. And here we are, six years later. You know, I've been named by Inc. Magazine as the top eight podcast every entrepreneur should follow. I get to speak all over the country on both podcasting and, and overcoming limiting beliefs depending on, you know, the scenario of, of what I'm speaking about. Uh, and then, you know, I, I have a coaching business, both on the podcast side and the brand building side. I host my own live events, but the reality is it all stemmed from the podcast itself. And, and so I always look at my podcast as like the center of the wheel, right? And then it has all these spokes coming off of it. And the one thing I realize is opportunities arise and, and different things that I can jump into in business opportunities. Uh, I always ask myself, does, does this either uh, grow my impact that I'm trying to make in the world, or can it help somebody else's impact grow? And if the answer is yes to that, I'll always look into that opportunity. And so, so yeah, man, I'm your your typical entrepreneur uh, in 2022. People ask me all the time, "How do you want to be introduced?" You know, when I speak, and and I, and I always go, I always jokingly say, "Justin." Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else that you'd want to introduce me. Uh, but the reality is, I'm a podcaster, speaker, and entrepreneur, and um, you know, excited for for my own growth and and everybody else's growth around me. So what what
0: made you start the podcast six years ago? Because for me, six years ago, I was listening to podcasts, but there weren't that many available like there are now. Now everybody has a podcast. Ironically, I have podcasts now, you know, but what made you think, oh, I want to start a podcast, you know, back in 2016?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I so first of all, six years ago, I mean, I would tell people I had a podcast, and they'd be like, "What's a podcast?" Right? Yeah. Uh, So the fact that you were listening in the UK of all places, the USA was starting to grow, and then the UK was kind of like secondary, and Australia kind of came in, and now all over the world. But uh, the fact that you were listening six years ago in the UK, congratulations! Like that's that's pretty amazing. But you know, uh, six years ago, I was kind of lost. Like I was in the corporate world not happy. I was doing well, you know, financially, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And at that point in my life, I had three failed businesses that I tried to launch on my own. And I was, I was like, clearly I'm bad at this entrepreneur thing. Uh, and so I was like, let me create a podcast where I can interview entrepreneurs and pick their brain uh, and learn from them and then start to implement that into my life. And what ended up happening was six months before I launched the show, my mom lost a 20 year battle to opioids. And it completely changed my perspective of life. Uh, it went from realizing that I was trying to appease society. Because mm-hmm. society told me that once I got all the things and the, the accolades and the house and the car and the girl and the, everything else, then I'd be happy, fulfilled, and all the other things that people are truly chasing. Mm-hmm. When my mom When my mom passed away at the age of 58, I realized that it's about finding happiness now, mm. even if the things around you aren't necessarily great. Um, and so that is organically where the conversations went in the podcast. You know, although I inter- interview a lot of great entrepreneurs like Ed Mylett and Dean Graziosi, our conversations really took on the nature of like, tell me about your rock bottom moments. Let's be vulnerable a little bit. Let's share those things and realize that, yeah, people view individuals as, as superheroes, uh, which is great, but the reality is they're just humans, just like you and I. Yeah. Uh, And so I went on, I I always like to say the first two years of the podcast were for me Uh, every single conversation I had was for me to learn how to self-love, learn how to heal, learn how to grow, learn how to get better at relationships, learn how to get better at business all those different things, and so what ended up formulating was we we actually talk about the four pil- what I call the four pillars of life on the podcast, which is business, relationships, spirituality, and wellness. And that's really kind of what I focus on. But I also get the cool opportunity to talk to celebrities and WWE wrestlers, and uh, you know everything else in between. So super honored to be able to do what I do. But it really started at a place of hopelessness in a way uh and has really given me the tools to be the man that I am today which I I like I proudly say that I'm proud of the man that I am today and I couldn't have said that six years ago um and so yeah that's kind of the the beginning phase of like well let's start this podcast because I, I by the way I listened to one podcast kind of yeah uh, before I started my podcast so that was kind of my introduction I was like I think I could do that um but but it really became a journey for me man for sure
0: yeah and so in the first two years, you said it was mostly for you about, you know, building, growing and learning and, and sticking to those four pillars. So what kind of changed for you in, in the third year? What what kind of clicked? Was it like the download numbers went through the roof and you were able to make money off it? Or was it more so like, you just kind of like, ah, I think I have something here from these years of knowledge that I can actually use to help other people.
1: Yeah, I think I think a little bit of yes to both. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, What I realized about year one is when when I started to implement the things I was learning. When I started to implement the things that I was learning, things started to click in my brain. Uh, Business started to create opportunities, right? Or opportunities came in business and opportunities started to show themselves. And I was like, wow, I really have something here. Um, When I say the first two years were for me, it's still for me. It's Mm -hmm. just a different level of opportunity and growth. Um, Now, I'm fortunate enough that people pay attention all over the country. I I get downloads in a hundred countries every single week. And I'm in the top half percent in all podcasts in the world, which is mind blowing. And I don't say that by the way, to, to brag or to impress anybody. I say it to impress upon people that if I could do it, anybody really can. Right. And it was really just a consistency thing. And, um, so I think for me at this, the second year, what ended up happening was there was a growth in, in audio or audience, not audio. There was a growth in audience, um, and opportunity, but also i was i was beginning to or if not for, far along in the process of becoming the person that that began to lead individuals um and so where it kind of started from a business standpoint was people and i'm sure you get these questions all the time sam but like when people people started to coming to me and said hey can you help me with my podcast yeah and i was like sure and so that's kind of where business started and i started a podcast production and coaching company mm. but then i very quickly started working with with very famous influencers and all these other individuals and it became more of like a brand building type of conversation because podcasting is easy now like honestly if you don't realize that you can google what what microphone do i buy and how to use it like that's your answer to that the the real question is how do i get the right branding how do i face forward the right way how do i do all these things and so i started working with these big brands and these big influencers, helping them do this. Um, and that was kind of the beginning stages. And then, then it morphed into uh, became a growth coach where I help people build platforms and help kind of transform their lives in a way by building a business around who they are and their story and their brand. Um, and then obviously the live events started back in 2019 and, and then 2020 COVID. And then we're back to live events in May. So we're pretty excited about that. But um, you know, it, it was really just an evolution, right? But that started with, where's the opportunity and does it fit in with my mission and message? And, and the answer was, was yes. And I dove in and, um, and then I went full-time podcaster. So I've been a full-time podcaster for four years now, um, which is, which is really, really cool. And, and it's been a really fun journey for me. Yeah. And, and
0: kind of following on from what you just said there about, you know, growing personal brands and building personal brands to even get to that point where you're, you're willing to accept that as a, as an option that you can have a personal brand and make money from it or be successful in, in that regard. You obviously have to overcome your own limiting beliefs. So, I don't know if you want to say what your own personal limiting beliefs were, per se, or whether you just want to talk about how you overcame those, because that is something that everybody struggles with. Even myself, I've struggled with that. So, it's always good to see someone else's yeah.
1: perspective. Dude, it's tough because I the thing is I, I still have limiting beliefs and so do my dear friends like Ed Milet and, you know, Fabio Viviani and all these things, your limiting beliefs just change and evolve. And, and then, and then they are constant work in progress. Um, and I very much fought with the, the limiting beliefs of worthiness, um, the limiting belief of like, who am I to, to think that I can help an individual. Um, and so it, it was definitely a tough journey. And even when I began to do it, um i still had those like who am i like i would get i remember getting off coaching calls with some of these people that i get to work with and just being like do i just cancel this am i doing the right thing do i cancel this client like i feel like i'm not good enough i'm not whatever mm. um and and then i kind of began to shift my perspective and so i realized that in limiting beliefs which again we all have um we have to begin to overcome them and the first thing that we need to do is we need to realize where does this limiting belief come from uh and so i started to do some research realizing that I overcame all these limiting beliefs over the first number of years in the podcast, I started to do some research and I was like, where do they, where do these really come from? Cause we all have a ton of them. And so I realized that they come from four main places. The first one is society, right? Society says I grew up poor and my parent was an addict and my dad was in jail. Therefore I'm going to end up that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So therefore I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to do all those things. Society says you're a woman. You can't do something you know, specific. You're a minority. You can't do something specific. All these things society tells you. It's up to us whether we believe it or not. And it's very, very hard not to believe it. right? We get that that thought back in our head and and we have to go, okay, well, where does this come from? The second place uh, is our own limiting beliefs. right? Those things that we tell ourselves that maybe somebody in the world never told us, but it could have been something as simple as you're in the sixth grade, you ask a girl out and she says, no, I'm not interested. And then all of a sudden you start telling yourself, I'm ugly, I'm disgusting, I'm all these things. And then that narrative repeats in our head. Mm. The third place uh, is, is our childhood. Right. And this is actually one of the most common ones, because it could be something as simple as this. You're walking down the hallway of a mall with your mom and you and your mom bumps into a college friend and they go, oh, my gosh. And they get super excited. And you as a four year old tuck yourself behind your mom's leg and they go, oh, that's just Sam. He's just shy. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to carry this this tag of I'm just shy the rest of my life. But imagine how many implants as a child that happens. You're shy. You're hyperactive. You're not smart. You're slower than the rest. You're not enough. So all these things that happen as a child, we begin to believe ourselves. And then the fourth one's probably the toughest one even to recognize. It's the subconscious. It's ones that we chose to forget. Our conscious chose to forget, and it still lives in us subconsciously. That's usually a massive trauma in our life, right? Whether it be a sexual trauma or an abandonment thing or whatever, or, or some sort of physical abuse as a young child. All those things that we, that's a subconscious. And then that kind of breeds the I'm not enough and all these things, by the way, those things didn't happen to me, thank goodness. But uh, we have to first acknowledge where is this coming from? Uh, And then we have to do three things to, to really overcome them. And it's a very simple process, but it's not easy, Mm. right? And so the first step is we have to get uncomfortable. Uh, and that could be a, something as simple as deciding six years ago, I'm going to buy a $60 microphone and start a podcast, right. or I'm going to put myself in front of a group of people, even though I'm nervous to speak to them, mm. or, hey, I've been overweight a lot in my life, my uncomfortable is to commit to a physical a challenge of some kind, right? So first thing is get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The second one is surround yourself with the right people, right? right? When we talk about like the relationship portion of our life, are these people empowering you? Or are these people going with you in this journey? Are these people telling you you're able to do it? Or are they tearing you down and trying to bring you back to the person that you were?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then the third thing is take action, because nothing works unless you do. And that third thing is very, very important. Like I said, like, yeah, I decided to do a podcast. I then surrounded myself with the right people. You know, my family supported me. I had a co-host for the first uh, 64 episodes. Uh, And then the third one was I took action. I actually showed up. I started to record and I started to put out. Was I uncomfortable? Yes. Was I afraid of judgment? Yes. Was I terrible? A hundred percent. Like I, I always talk in these podcasts, I'm like, yeah, go back to the beginning um, and listen to how terrible I was as a podcast host and, and how I've evolved and grown. But the reality is I don't want anybody to go back and listen to them. They were, they were that bad. Yeah. And so when I look at that, I go, I realize this three-step process breaks those limiting beliefs because those are the three things we do to get out of that limiting belief, put ourselves in an uncomfortable position, and then rewrite the narrative in our head to say, oh, no, I am enough. Oh no, I can be a good podcast host. Oh no, I can be a public speaker. Oh no, I can write that book. Oh no, I can build this business. And so that is uh, really the life-changing thing for me. And it's something I still implement to this day. Uh, whenever I feel those limiting beliefs really begin to pop up, that's those that three-step process.
0: Yeah. And so from com- overcoming your limiting beliefs, obviously you would feel like that's made you a better person, but how did that also influence your entrepreneurial journey? Because you said you started off in the nine to five life, and then you had that kind of moment where you're like, right, I, I don't like this. I'm not enjoying this. Let me start the podcast, not knowing that the podcast could become a form of you know income to you. So over those years or over these six years, you've been building these entrepreneurial skills. So by overcoming your limiting beliefs, how has that
1: made you able
0: to approach entrepreneurship in a better way?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's everything. Because being an, an entrepreneur full time is a very uncomfortable place to be. You know, I uh, I have more money in a bank account than I've ever had before. And I'm still more worried about money than I ever have before, because you don't know if it's still going to come. Right. So that's what, what I want to acknowledge first. It's always uncomfortable, mm. no matter how successful you are. That's why entrepreneurs who have a billion dollars, they still thrive for more. Mm. Right. There's that fight or flight type of scenario. But for me, switching from the nine to five life to the full time entrepreneur life uh, was it was granted to me. It was given to me. I got fired from my last job. Uh, which is a kind of a crazy story so my last job i worked for a, a, an organization that helps businesses uh, and i ended up getting fired and then actually within two and a half years after i was fired it might have been two years after i was fired um, they hired me back to go speak to their higher up organization and they paid me more per minute than they used to pay me per hour so that's that's crazy right so it was like this crazy crazy thing but i got fired from my job which put me on that in that I get uncomfortable position. Sometimes that uncomfortable position is given to us instead of chosen by us. Yeah. Uh, and what ended up happening was, although I made decent money at this job, I was the rich poor guy, right? I I made a good amount of money, but then I spent it the second it came in. Yeah. Because I was young and single and and traveling and doing all these things, and so I right before I had gotten fired, I had agreed to speak at an event in. Florida and I live in, I live in Pennsylvania. So I I agreed to speak at an event in Florida. Now this is a time where the podcast was taking off and I was being acknowledged by like Ink magazine and stuff, but there was no real business. I was beginning to build one, but it wasn't creating an income really. And I got, I said yes to speaking at this thing. And then I got fired and I looked at my bank account and I realized I've got two options here. I can either pay my rent or I can pay to fly down to this event and, and stay at a hotel and speak at it. Mm. That was my option. And so I decided to go down to Florida and speak at this event um, instead of paying my rent. <laughs> and what ended up happening was the one night uh, a group of the speakers went out for a drink. Now, keep in mind, I, I wasn't sure if my credit cards were going to go through. That's where I was at this point. Yeah. And so we're sitting around in a circle. This is kind of a fun story. We're sitting around in a circle and a guy was sitting to the left of me. His name's Mike Kim. He's now a dear friend of mine. Um, and he orders a drink. And what I realized was the drink that he ordered was a $65 glass of scotch. Um, and so they go around the table and every single person around the table orders, I'll have the same thing. I'll do the same thing. Yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. And they get to me and I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. I don't know if my credit card is going to go through, but I have to fit in. Right. I have to, I have I to be, be at like, the table. give me a Jack Daniels, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, give me a water, right. With extra ice. But I was really just like, uh, I'll, I'll do the same thing. Kind of like gulp. I hope my credit card goes through. Waitress comes back, says, can I get you guys anything else? Mike goes, yeah, I'll have another one around the table. I'll have another one, I'll have another one. And it comes back to me. Oh yeah, I'll have another one. Mm. So I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, here's $130 before tip. And I got to figure all this out. What ended up happening was Mike Kim paid for everybody's drinks, which was great. But uh, he said something to me in a conversation that shifted my mindset. And when I went home, I made $22,000 in the next three weeks. And I realized that, okay, I can do this entrepreneurship thing. I just have to look at it a little bit differently. Um, and so when we talk about limiting beliefs, I had a limiting belief around what my worth was, Mm. how much I should get paid to do the things that I'm doing to, to, for people to pick my brain for people to do all these things. And so when you break down all of that stuff, um, it's really that whole three-step process that I, that I did, right. I got uncomfortable, surrounded myself with the right people, went home and took action Mm. and everything changed in my life. And from there, I've never looked back because I know my worth. And when you know your worth, you're non-negotiable. Like, this is my price. You want to work with me? Cause I know I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go, yes. Cause I know you're worth it because right. you translate that in conversation with people. And so, yeah, man, I mean, I think that's been such a, such a game changer for me. And uh, I constantly get uncomfortable in business. Uh, I mean, just doing live events, which is a massive undertaker undertaking financially, Um, you know, it's, it's something that I constantly push myself to get uncomfortable, to change my direction, to do all these things. Um, but, but again, that's how you grow. That's how you become the person that you're, you're destined to become. Mm. And I'm
0: curious, what, what did Mike Kim say to you that, that changed your mind and made you able to make that $22,000 in, in three weeks? Obviously, you know, the listeners not be able to probably replicate the same, but I'm sure they'd love to know what it is that Mike said to you.
1: Yeah. So essentially what he said, he goes, the business model you're building, you're, you're racing to go broke. He goes, you need to understand how much your brain is worth. You need to understand how much the information you've built up over the last you know two years is worth to, to these clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it shifted my perspective on how I price everything for my clients, how I approach it, how I sell it, um, because it comes from a, a position of power versus a p- position of lack. And, and I was approach, approaching business from a position of lack, like, please, please, sir, can I have some more, right? Like begging for clients and, and doing all that stuff. And that was really the shift for me. And, and I really kind of shifted into, I'd rather explain to you the price today than explain for poor quality later, mm-hmm. uh, instead of going, yeah, yeah, what price can you afford? Let me work with you. And then realize that you're gonna, you're the most annoying client of all time because you're cheap. And so that was the biggest perspective shift for me. And obviously I, I hope I, I worded it in a way that people can put that into their own perspective. I mean, I could tell you exactly what he said to me, but it's not relatable to people listening. Right. Yeah. That's very, very specific to me. Um, but that's essentially what he did. He shifted my mindset of like how much my information is valuable from a coaching standpoint yeah. uh, versus like an uh, execution standpoint.
0: And so, I guess, putting a price on the knowledge in your head, what was the kind of formula you're using? Because a lot of people will go, oh, that person's charging $10,000 for a talk. I'm going to charge $10,000 when realistically, you might be worth five, six, seven times that because you're talking about a completely different topic to a
1: smaller group of people. Yeah. I think, I think defining how much you're worth. Right. And and that takes time to build up over, like over time, you're not going to go from $0 keynote speaker to a hundred thousand dollar keynote speaker overnight. You have to build that worth time after time. Mm. Now understand when I was teaching podcasting, it wasn't a flooded market like it is now. Um, and no other person teaching it still to this day, uh, has that, has that tag from Inc magazine. Mm. I also have a tag of, you know, um, being considered, a. an icon icon of influence in the new media space and all these things that I've built up over time. And one of the greatest lessons I learned in pricing and understanding what it's worth, every single potential new client that you talk to raise your price until more people say no than yes. Yeah, And then you create your balance. And so I'm a person who I... I work to live. I don't live to work, mm. right? I'm not I'm not that entrepreneur who's working 90 hours a week and doing all these things. Um, so I said, well, how much do I have to make per hour to live the life that I want? And then how many hours do I have to work? And then I built up to get to that price point where I'm at now. And what happens is, you know, as you get that next client and you raise your price, and you raise your price, you have enough clients at that dollar amount, you go back to your old clients and go, Hey, I'm raising prices. And the ones that no longer, that you know, no longer wanna work with, they find themselves out the door. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. And that's how you build that lifestyle with the financials that you want.
0: Yeah, that's, that's one thing I try to give advice to, to people that are, you know, starting out on their entrepreneurial journey or even, you know, couple years or couple months in, double your prices. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna lose all my clients. No, double your prices. And let's say half the people stay on, you're making the same amount of money, half the amount of work and they're like, that doesn't make sense. That's not going to work. And I think it's that thing about being uncomfortable that makes people like yourself able to succeed because you're willing to go, Do you know what, I'm willing to watch this all go to zero rather than not be paid my worth. Like you said, you, you work to live, not live to work, which is a very mm-hmm. fun way to flip it because most people obviously sacrifice a lot of their time up front to enjoy two days at the end of their week where they're just about got enough energy to go out on one day <laughs> and, and, and to me, that's very backwards. Some people look at me and what I do and how I do it, and they go, yeah, but you could be doing X, Y, Z, making so much more money. It's like, but time, I have so much free time. And that is the, yeah. the most valuable thing to me. Like, I, I don't know what you do with your free time, if you have hobbies or anything like that, but I, I think time is probably the most valuable thing you can have as, as a person in general.
1: Oh, 100%. And, and, you know, I've built myself up to a place where I can enjoy life too, beyond just time. Mm. And I think that's important, but it's also understanding, like, and I think this is a really cool conversation to have right now. And I'm saying this from the standpoint of where I began of like chasing what society told me that I should have. Mm. Well, I'm not society, I'm Justin. Yeah. And, uh, so why am I chasing what they're telling me I need versus what it is I want? Mm. And I think that's where people have it backwards. Like you said, you, people chase and chase and chase and chase their whole entire lives instead of just finding fulfillment with where they are right now. Everything could fall apart for me and I'll still be fulfilled yeah. literally everything, like everything. Um, and I'll still be fulfilled and then I'll go rebuild. Yeah. But I'll be happy in the whole entire process. And I'd rather be uncomfortable for a short amount of time than miserable my whole entire life. Yeah. And that's what people end up doing. They're miserable their whole entire life and then they retire and then they they realize that their knee hurts too bad for them even to go play the golf that they said they were going to play. Uh, and then, and, and then that's it, right? To chase the what? the million dollars, the 10 million dollars, the whatever. Here's the thing, when we're chasing something. Say you have a goal of a million dollars. Awesome. I applaud you. I I want to help you get there. I want to do all these things, right? I, I, it's awesome. But I promise you, when you get to the million, the next thing you're going to say to yourself is, "How do I make $10 million? Exactly. That's not the answer to to your problems, right? I always say that people look at their goals as the antidote to the antidote to their illness. That's just not the case. That's not the answer. You have to figure out what the antidote is before you even reach that goal, or you can't even enjoy the goal. And so that is really the science behind everything that I've built. And that's from learning from the masters, you know, 400 plus interviews and all these things that I've learned from the masters and taken the good stuff and implemented it. And it's completely changed my mindset. It's completely changed my life and my attitude towards other people. Yeah. And I'm glad
0: you mentioned the the 400 plus interviews you've done. And one thing you said earlier on when we were speaking is you asked them about the lowest point in their lives and how they learned from that. So I'm curious for you, Justin, what what was one of your greatest takeaways from one of your greatest failures?
1: Yeah. You know, I don't even know if it was necessarily one of my failures, Mm. but everything we've talked about on this episode essentially came from the worst moment of my life. Mm -hmm. It came from my rock bottom moment uh, when my mom passed away Mm -hmm. uh, after, again, after 20 year opioid battle, the realization of my mom didn't die from an addiction. My mom died because she didn't love herself. Right. Everybody loved my mom. Mm -hmm. If you looked around her life, she was, she was better off than 80% of the world, Mm -hmm. 90% of the world. And so she had to find how to love herself in the moment and she couldn't figure that out. Yeah. And she never defined her rock bottom moment. Mm -hmm. So therefore she kept going down and down and down. And so what I talk about now is the understanding that we have to define our rock bottom moment. If I meet somebody and they feel like they're in their lowest moment, I say to them, then this is your rock bottom moment. Let's define it. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to you again. Mm -hmm. Right. But what it means is that when bad things happen, you're not going to allow it to take control of who you are. Right. The issue is people allow their outside circumstances to dictate who they become versus allowing their outside circumstances to dictate who they become in a positive way. Right. Right. That idea of life is happening for me and not to me. And so all these lessons that we talked about today, all the things that changed my life and my outlook on everything Mm -hmm. came from my rock bottom moment, but it's because I decided to say to myself, this is my rock bottom moment. And from here on out, I'm going to write my own story my outside circumstances aren't going to dictate how I navigate through life.
2: Mm -hmm. You see
1: part of the, the story that I didn't share when my mom passed away, I went on a three month bender where I was blackout drunk six nights a week. Right. Literally just numbing the pain. Yeah. I'm not mad at myself for going through that. It clearly is what I needed, Mm -hmm. but I'm happy that I decided that this is determining, okay, I'm done this and Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit and I'm going to feel this pain and I'm going to rise up from this moment here on out. Okay. And so you know, and I'm sure you were looking for a business answer. No, um, dude, I like honestly, there's <laughs> there, there's constantly business failures yeah. um, that I'm learning from yeah. constantly. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, man. As long as I have a roof over my head and a meal to eat, um, those those lessons don't matter. The the lessons that matter is that when I end up on my deathbed, which will happen eventually, even though I tell everybody I'm going to live forever, um, eventually I'll be on my deathbed and, and I'm going to look around and go, how many lives have I impacted? Are my loved ones with me? Uh, and did I live the life that I was happy with? Mm. Um, it had nothing That has nothing to do with money. That has nothing to do with how many clients I've helped build a podcast or how many clients have helped build their brand or how many times, whatever. It's all about impact for me. Uh, and so, yeah, man, I think I think really that was the defining moment. And the other thing is, when you talk about the 400 plus episodes, and I ask them about their rock bottom moments, it was theirs too,
2: mm.
1: right? Our rock bottom moment is the greatest jumping off point for our greatness. Yeah, and that is really the power in in life is to understand that the worst times create the best times. Yeah. I find it funny that you said you thought I was looking for a business answer. And there's
0: this one thing I like to say to a fair few of my guests, if the topic arises, which is there's no such thing as work-life balance. There's just life. (laughs) And so it's one of those ones where even though you spoke about, you know, I went on a a couple months bender of being blackout drunk for however long. That was your life. And throughout that time, you were living through your life. And yeah, you might have worked, you might not have worked, whatever, but you were accepted that that was the lowest point of your life and you used that as a bouncing off point. And it's one of those things where maybe if you didn't go through that, then you would have gone through it halfway through your entrepreneurial journey. And that, and that would have yeah. been horrible for you. So it, it's definitely a, a type of vulnerability to be able to go through your feelings in you know the way they manifest rather than trying to go, oh, no, I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to look at the positive. Sometimes you have to look at the negative in its face and go, oh, damn, this is really fucked up over here. You know, <laughs> I, I need to just look at that for a bit and deal with it and process it.
1: Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't wear masks. I don't, I don't hide the truth from people um, because I can't hide the truth from myself. Mm. If I pretend to be somebody else, I mean, I'm usually the most miserable person. Now that you curse, I feel like I can. And so that's a good thing. So, (laughs) uh, you know, the most fucked up people in the world are the people who aren't vulnerable about how they're really feeling about what they're really going through and or the people who pretend that they don't have emotions when bad things happen. Mm it's okay to feel. Mm. And actually when I was going through something really, really tough, I actually um, was, I was going through a relationship issue years ago and I had a, I had a relationship and spiritual coach that I was working with and something went awry in the relationship. Like it normally did, which is why I'm not with her. Uh, And so she's like, well, how do you feel right now? And I was like, I'm angry. Yeah. And she goes, okay, you're allowed to be angry. You're just not allowed to be an asshole.
2: Mm.
1: And that was the first time in my life. Anybody gave me permission to be anything but happy. Yeah. And I realized that no matter what I'm going through, I have to feel what I'm feeling mm-hmm. and I have to then go, okay, now how do I pick myself up? And that's the key. That's the key. Feel your feelings and then move forward. Don't be those individuals who feel their feelings and then allow those feelings to define them. Yeah. To, to make them, they, don't, they start to react to those feelings versus being proactive from those feelings. That's the difference. Yeah. And
0: you mentioned something that you said you had a, a, a spirituality coach or like a lifestyle coach kind of thing. What mm-hmm. for you makes a good coach? Cause I've spoken to a fair few coaches on my podcast and I believe you yourself do a bit of coaching, but what makes a good coach in any regard for you? Yeah.
1: Um, I would say no, the number one thing is vulnerability. They're willing to share with you their, their triumphs, but also their defeats. Mm-hmm. They're willing to share with you their journey. Um, but then, in the end, the second key is they under they they have. They have an emotional connection to what it is you're building, right. right? And so I only work with people that I believe in what they what kind of impact they want to make in the world. Okay. If it doesn't make sense to me, if it doesn't resonate to me, I say, hey, I'm probably not the best person for you. And I've probably told more people no than yes. Um, and for me, I think those are the two things, right? Vulnerability and then understanding that they actually ha- they actually care for your. Growth. Yeah. Now they're all going to tell you they do. Yeah. So it's a feel thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's really a feel like, is this the right person for me? Because I'm not the right coach for everybody. You're not the right coach for everybody. Whoever you interview is not the right coach for every single person. But there are those people that are right for the and you get that perfect match. And yeah. sometimes you've picked the wrong ones, and I've done that too. Um, but I've also had some amazing coaches who've really helped me transform who I am.
0: Yeah. And so for those people that you say yes to and you decide to help coach them and build their personal brand once you've got to the i'm assuming it starts out with understanding them as a person and then overcoming their limiting beliefs what's what's the next kind of steps you take for them to build their personal brand is it you start shoving podcasts down their throat or is it something completely different
1: <laughs> yeah all, all i do is i go yeah you start listening to podcasts no i mean for me um as we go through that process of understanding what do you want in this life what kind of impact do you want to make helping them overcome those limiting beliefs, uh, we then find the power within their story. And every single person has power in their story, Mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of people hear my story. I had a 1.7 GPA in high school. My mom battled opioids. My dad was in jail. And people go, well, I don't have a story like that. Mm. I go, yeah, but you have a specific story for you. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest things I ever heard from a coach was at any given time, based off of the sheer number of people in this world, at any given time, there are 75,000 people in the world yeah. that need to hear your message specifically from you. Right. And how selfish of you not to do that, mm-hmm. not to share, not to make an impact. And so your story is very, very valuable. And the pain you went through is very understandable, right? Like it, it needs to be said that. I get it. Like, even though it doesn't relate necessarily to my story, because guess what? My story doesn't relate to somebody who's lived on the street. Yeah. My story doesn't relate to somebody whose parents were shot right in front of them. Mm -hmm. All these things, right. Um, It's really about perspective of understanding that your story has power. And so we take their story and then we turn that into their superpower. Uh, We help them define their perfect client. uh, And then we start to build out what it is they need to do to get those clients and begin to build a, a, a large business around it.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think one thing I find quite amazing is, you know, some people might look at, at my life or other people's lives and go, Oh, you haven't really come across many hardships. You know, there's people that have been homeless, people that, like you said, all these horrible things have happened to them. But I'm like, yeah. But it's people like that that make me think I should keep going because it's it it could it could only it could only be up from here, surely for me. Cause if that's the bottom for them, I'm nowhere near that. And I always question myself, I go, how the hell do these people keep going? It's like they have no other option but to keep going. So rather than yeah. you know kind of ride to the bottom that could eventually be there, of, oh I'm going to spend all my money, I'm going to do this, I'm going to become homeless. You're already starting off from a higher level than this person that's gone way above you. Why not try to, you know, start start on that that um what's that word, like a like a kickstarted level of it already. You already got some momentum going. Keep going with that momentum.
1: Yeah. No, hundred percent. And it's funny. Like people are like, well, people won't, be, I'm not relatable. People can't relate or I can't relate to you. Mm. Right. All these things. Um, the fun fact is a majority of my clients are 50 something year old women. Mm. And so when you talk about how are we relating? Because, because here's the thing, it's about vulnerability. And so who's some of the most vulnerable people in the world? 50-something-year-old women. Yeah. Um, but then I'll, I'm going to say this, right? Like, your story might not relate to me. Your life that you've been through might not be my life that I've been through. You're mm-hmm. in London. I'm in Reading, Pennsylvania. Like, all these things. Mm. Um, but let me ask these questions. You don't have to answer, but I, this is how I, I talk with individuals. I go, okay, have you ever thought to yourself I'm not good enough to do that? Yeah. I, I'm going to ask them, by the way. So, yeah, I yeah. have to. Have, have you ever thought to yourself I'm not good enough to, or I I don't deserve that kind of success that somebody else has?
0: See, that changed for me about Five, maybe 10 years ago. And, and the reason why I say five, 10 years ago is because once I became an adult, I realized that it's, I was like, there's no rules out here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're entitled to what you want out,
1: Like if you try for it, but go on. 100%. But before that, you did say that to yourself, right? Yeah. Right. Did you ever say to yourself, um, I'm not deserving of the relationships I desire?
0: Yes. But that was also because I was a fucked up person, which is a completely no, different conversation to be had, you know, off air at a different time. But yeah.
1: No, dude. And honestly, me too. Right. Like, so I, I get that. Right. And and have you ever thought to yourself, you know, I'm not somebody like a Joe Rogan. I'm not somebody like a whoever. So therefore I can't have the millions of people paying attention to me, but I should just be okay with my small little piece of pie.
0: Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah.
1: Most definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. Guess what? I ask you those questions because that's me. Yeah. And so therefore, because our life circumstances are so completely different, it doesn't matter because what's in our mind is mm. very much the same. That's the human condition. Yeah. Right. And so when we go through those types of thought processes, all of a sudden you and I are the same, mm-hmm. by the way, that can solve the whole entire world's problems right now. <laughs> yeah. if you're all the same. Yeah. This is, this is literally, and by the way, every single person who mm-hmm. is listening to this, unless actually they're defined as like a narcissist and all these egomaniacs, all these things, they said yes to all those questions as well. Yeah. And so therefore we can then connect on that level and then we can begin to do the work. And the only difference between this person that I'm talking to and me is that I've already done that work. Does that mean I'm done the work? Hell no. I'm still growing. Mm. That's why five years from now, we're going to have different clients than I have now. Mm. Um, But the, the reality is we all have a connection. And I know that I can help anybody who's had those kind of doubts in their mind to really begin to overcome them and then really build that business to where they need it to be. And then have that business work for them so they can go enjoy the life that they've, they've actually, they're actually craving, not the life they say they're craving, not the life that the society said they needed, but the life that they are actually craving.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious because you said, you know, Oh, all my clients are mostly 50 year old plus women. How did you find your first few clients? Obviously they weren't all 50 year old women In the beginning but where did you go looking for these people and and how did you end up in this kind of very niche market away from yourself
1: yeah well first first they they came to me um just because i had the podcast right so people were like oh can you help me with that um and then i got really specific with who it was i wanted to work with uh, because i realized that a lot of my clients at the time were terrible and annoying and i was like this is i'm miserable like i'm just miserable And so I got really clear on who that was. And then I found a way to get into their space Uh, and I found a way to make a connection with them. And I found a way to say, Hey, I can help you with that. Um, And that's what people miss is like, they just, they're just praying and hoping the right people show up. By the way, Sam, if you don't know this podcasting is the greatest networking tool of all time. Yeah. Most definitely. A number of my clients from past and present have been guests on my podcast. Mm. It wasn't on purpose, But there was some intentionality with it, right? Mm -hmm. I said to myself, whenever I want to guest on my show, I say, "Do, do I see myself being friends with that person? Yeah. Do I see myself aligning with that individual in some way, shape or form? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by aligning is could be, Hey, we're friends or could be, we end up working together or could be, they speak at my event or could be, um, we're just there to support each other in some way, shape or form. Right. So some of these people become my client because yeah. we'll have a conversation. I tell them what I do and they go, wow, that seems really interesting. I've been thinking about that mm. or, Hey, or they go, Oh, wow you know, the stuff you're talking about with limiting beliefs that makes sense to me. Um, I know some people who are struggling with that. Let me make a connection. Yeah. Um, And so all of my clients have been through word of mouth Mm -hmm. or me building relationships. Yeah. And honestly, uh, relationships are so key. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I start every relationship that I have with a give first mentality. Yeah. And then what comes from it just happens. Right. Like I don't. I don't ask for much. I don't ask for anything, really. Uh, I really just—I always end conversations with, "If there's anything I can help you with, please let me know." Yeah. Uh, and then what builds from there? Builds from there. Whether we stay in touch or we don't, and—and and, I mean, four hundred—it's like four hundred and twenty something episodes now. Do I stay in touch with all of them? Absolutely not. It's impossible. <laughs> um, it'd be impossible. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I find out who my core people are mm-hmm. and I make sure I hold them in my circle and I keep them close to me because they're the people that allow me to, either, whether it's getting clients or allow me to feel better or allow me to whatever. Uh, so that's been a very, very important piece to understand that, you know, although mine started out pretty basic, mm-hmm. it's become very, very intentional since then, because I only want to work with who I want to work with. Yeah. Justin, you seem quite
0: knowledgeable and quite intelligent, and I'm not sure whether that's something you learned from the School of Hard Knocks or if that's something you learned like in books or, you know, from certain podcasts. So where do you tend to do most of your
1: learning? Dude, I, first of all, I don't know if anybody's ever called me intelligent in my life. So <laughs> I I feel so good right now and I appreciate it. Um, it it's, well, certainly wasn't school school. Uh, mm. Like I said, I, I found myself with a 1.7 GPA in high school at one point, which right. is, which is uh, terrible, yeah. obviously. I don't know. If, do you have, do you have GPAs in London? No, we
0: don't, but I understand it. It's it up to a uh, 4.0 GPA is good.
1: Yeah. 4.0 that's all straight A's. Okay. Um. So, so 1.7 is essentially like D's. Okay. Yeah. Not the, yeah. the, the brain
0: of the bunch. Yeah. Got you.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. And so, so yes to everything you said, right. Uh. School hard knocks going through what I went through and, and, at a very, very young age, becoming very self-aware. Mm-hmm. I always like to say, I used to say all the time that I was the only 14-year-old who would rather hang out with 40-year-olds than other 14-year-olds. Yeah, um, And it's because of what I went through. So I'm I'm, a, I'm very much an old soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at 19 years old, I was handed a, a book called Who Moved My Cheese, which introduced I me to self No way,
0: Justin, I literally read yeah. that like three months ago. It's a thin little pamphlet of a book, but it yep. changed my whole mind. Mu- that is creepy because everybody I spoke <laughs> to doesn't know about that book, but it's the best book you could ever read. Go on, sorry, Justin. T-
1: it tell them it really is. And so when everybody, somebody says, what one book do you recommend? I say that book. It's life-changing. And it's super easy to read, which was a win for me at the age of 19 with my ADD. And so I was like, I got to get through this, right? And so that introduced me to this idea that I can learn from people, even if they're not in my space. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then really, honestly, I've always been good at asking the right questions,
2: Mm.
1: hence podcasting. But when I got into podcasting, I really started to ask the right questions to the right people. Yeah and started to implement, like I said, implement those things into my life, and then help other people implement those things into their life. I'm by far a genius or a very educated person or any of those things. But uh, I've done the work. Mm. And when you do the work, and you truly do the work, it's easy to teach it. Yeah, right. There's way too many people in the world who are life coaches who are sleeping on their parents' couches, Mm. who are podcast coaches who have who have 37 episodes, Somebody reached out to me recently and, and tried to sell me podcast services and they don't even have a podcast. Yeah. Like there's too much of that, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's people that are 40 pounds overweight trying to teach people how to lose weight. Mm. There are all these things. And so I feel like the people that can just speak on a topic, the people mm-hmm. who just get it, can relate it, can do all these things. Those are the individuals who've actually done the work. Yeah. And I think that's something when, as we talk about finding a coach and doing all those things, as we talk about that stuff. I think that's something people should be aware of. You know, does this person make sense? Did they actually live it or are they just selling me something, right? Did they buy a certificate for an online course that said they're the life coach or have they done it and lived through it? And is this the person I want to work with? And so I think for me, it's more than anything, it's a school of hard knocks, but then also learning from mentors, um, you know, reading books, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, believe it or not. People think that I should listen to a ton of them. I just select few now cuz my time is limited. Yeah. Um from that standpoint, but but at the same time, uh yeah, man, I think it's all those things that you had mentioned. Yeah. That really kind of fell into place and and I made a choice to say yes to growth versus uh, you know, just going down a path and letting life happen for me.
0: Yeah. And for the listener, please read "Who Moved My Cheese." Honestly, it's a very thin book. Yeah. I think it's about eighty something pages. You'll you'll be able to read it in about an hour or two. Amazing, life changing book. But Justin, what other books have you read that that also kind of helped you to uh, to become the person you are? And books that what type of books do you read?
1: Yeah, so I'm really into uh, biographies mm-hmm. um, and memoirs. So like, I loved Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. That was phenomenal. I just read Cal Cal Penn's book, which is decent, but it allowed me. So what that book did for me, it allowed me to look at life from a different perspective, Mm. right? Growing up, um, you know, in an Indian family, as a minority being judged throughout his whole entire career, these are things that I didn't have to live through being a white male in America. Yeah, And so it was very, very interesting for me to, to learn that way. So I learned through story a lot of the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is an interesting, another book that, I rec- oh, Will Smith's book was phenomenal. So I keep looking over at my bookshelf, by the way. Yeah, Will Smith's book was absolutely phenomenal, by the way. Check it out if you haven't. Um, but I will say that uh, there's a book that I recommend to everybody, which is really, it has nothing to do with self-help. Uh, but it's a book written by a guy named Rob Bell called What is the Bible? Mm. Um, and it really talks about how I won't get into it. We don't we don't need to have a religious conversation, but it's a fascinating conversation uh, around what is the Bible? What is organized religion? What is faith? Mm. Um, by the way, Rob Bell is very much a Christian former pastor. Right. Um, very, very intriguing book for anybody, Christian, non-Christian, religious, not religious, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that book is is phenomenal for somebody to read. It gives you a different perspective. And what that did for me more than anything was it allowed me to take a step back mm-hmm. and look at the worldview from a, a bigger angle, yeah. right? It's not just the way I see it. it. Things are the way it needs to be seen, whatever. So it allowed me to question things more, right? Mm-hmm. As we look at how the world has changed so much in the last number of years, uh, last two years, it's allowed me to step back and look at the greater perspective of everything.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that you can kind of get better at in life. Everyone can get better at in life is asking yourself the right questions, whether it's a why or a what, or when did I do this and et cetera, et cetera. But one thing I wanna ask you, Justin, it's normally kind of like my my closing question for, for most guests is, what brings you the most joy in the
1: line of work that you do? I think, I think seeing true breakthrough in somebody's mindset, whether that's, I mean, that's across the board. I mean, we do retreats and I have my live event and, you know, obviously even my podcast clients, I see that aha moment breakthrough where they realize that they're worthy enough to build what it is they're building. I had a potential client call last night and about 30 seconds into the call, I realized she couldn't afford me. So I spent 45 minutes on the phone with her. And by the end she was crying understanding that she is worthy enough to go and build this thing that was just an idea I think for me that is um, that's that's the breakthrough for me when people realize that they're worthy of the life that they desire where can the people
0: find you online
1: yeah man I don't know where your listenership is um, but I have a live event coming up in Pennsylvania called Growth Now Summit live. Phenomenal speakers, people like Nick Santana Stasso and four-time Emmy winner, Chris Van Vliet, and, and myself, I'm speaking too, surprise. Um, but but so they can go to growthnowsummit.com to get tickets. Here's something really cool that I did, though, because, again, my, my whole entire life is about impact. I understand that you're in London and whoever else may be in London, and um, it's kind of hard to travel in last minute, right, to get there by May. Uh, but they can go to growthnowsummit.com and sign up to watch the main stage virtually for free all day Saturday. Uh, So you can just go in, sign up right on there, and they can get all the information there. Um, and uh, yeah, so if they're listening overseas and they can't make it in time, they can go to growthnowsummit.com. Although there is somebody coming from the UK, just, just throwing it out there, just just letting people know. <laughs> it's uh, and then and then wherever they're listening to this podcast, they can uh, listen to mine. So if they find the Growth Now Movement, just search it wherever they listen to this. And, and if it resonates with them, what I'd like to say is click the subscribe button and come on the journey with me because that's all this is. We're all on a journey. And uh, when we do it together in a community, Uh, and we work together from that standpoint, it, it makes a world of difference.
0: Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.